0: What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze.
1: Someone has said there's nothing that drinking has ever made better, and there's nothing that drinking didn't ever actually just end up making worse. Even if you just try 30 days and see how you feel afterwards, I promise, I can't imagine anybody wanting to go back to it. So
0: good. What about you, Carrie?
2: Um, I'd rather regret giving up drinking than regret not giving up drinking. It's Like, no one regrets quitting drinking. No one's life gets worse because they gave up alcohol.
0: Today is a special Soberversary edition with two of my favorite sober sisters. We've got Carrie Hooper. Up in uh, New Hampshire and Lisette Hazim, who is in upstate New York, so both Northeast uh, U.S. ladies who are uh, on the eve of their one-year anniversary of not drinking, and so this is a big thrill for me to host uh, this episode. We're going to get into more of that in just a minute. I'm your host Dana Crawl. I'm a former Army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. And with me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Hallfree, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog, who just laid down for his usual episode nap. Uh, before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety and looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And with all of that said, let me welcome you ladies back to the show because Carrie was on last spring when we did a ladies round table and then she had her own episode that was in season one and then she had her own episode in season two and also in season two last july liseth was part of the mocktail hour that we did which was a fantastic fun filled episode as well so ladies welcome back it's so wonderful to have you both again
1: thank you Dana. Yeah.
0: So how did Thank so you how, for having us? <laughs> so how does it how does it feel? Like let's start with Lisette Like we'll we'll start with New York first and then we'll work our way northeast from there. Um Lisseth, how does it feel to be on the eve of this? We're recording this on Sunday, April 2nd. And as of Monday, April 3rd, you all will hit one year since you had a drink. Like what does it feel like for you?
1: You know, it's interesting uh Dana because Carrie and I were texting about it before and she was like, how do you feel? I feel a little weird. And I'm like, you know, I, I do, I do. And we've talked about this a little bit, the imposter syndrome. And it's hard because I've done all of this, um, this one year of not drinking, making the decision, sticking to it. I couldn't, I could not have done it by myself. So I'm not discounting the fact that I've had so much support from all of my sober community um, in real life and virtual, but it is something that I've accomplished. So why do I feel imposter syndrome? I don't know, but it is, I I feel weird. I feel like I can't believe that literally tomorrow it's going to be a year that I haven't had a drop of alcohol in my life, which feels so badass for real, (laughs) because In our society, like if you don't drink, you're looked at like there's something wrong with you and to go against the grain is just insane. And but but yeah, I feel I feel weird and I almost was feeling a little down this morning maybe. Um, But I think the the other thing is like, what now? Because tomorrow it'll be a year. So, yay, I accomplished the year, you know, and it was in the beginning. It was like I accomplished 30 days. Woo-hoo! Now I'm going for 60. woo! Now I'm going for 90. So there was always like this other stepstone stone that kept me kind of engaged per se. But now it's like the next stepping stone is a whole nother year out. <laughs> so it feels like, well, what what do I do in the interim? How do I keep myself? engaged, I guess. I don't know. And so like, that's, that's where I'm at is where I'm like, what now? So yeah.
0: What about you, Carrie?
2: Oh yeah. It's interesting. Lizeth. I think you pretty much just summed up how I'm feeling too. It Like I, I there are always like so many little celebrations along the way. And this one feels like it's supposed to be this big giant thing yet. Like I'm just going to work tomorrow and I don't know, maybe it's cause I don't have anything big planned. and. I've been really focused on my daughter's birthday party that we just had today. So I haven't really had time to think about it, but I feel like I don't really deserve a giant celebration. And I don't know why, because like you said, like we did this, we did this work to get here. Um, But yet I just feel like, and maybe it just feels like sort of unbelievable, but that's been an entire year because it, in some ways, although there were some really long days, it's kind of flown by. Um, and I think part of that was having, always having like that next thing to look forward to. And now, like you said, there's nothing after after this to look, I mean, there's plenty of things to look forward to, but it's like, we've been through all the firsts of everything and we've, you know, hopefully gone through some of the hardest parts of this life, but um, yeah. So I've been feeling really weird about it too. I actually texted another one of our friends, tanya this morning i was like you need to snap me out of this like i know you can do this for me and she did she was like you did this she's like shame is like a self and like it's a societal driven thing it's like don't like you did this so yeah
0: yeah and tell me so i i just want to echo what Lisette said that it is very badass that you both accomplished this um but tell us about the badass uh Um, bracelets that you have because Lisseth showed hers and Carrie, you're holding the ears up right now for those who are on YouTube can see it, but uh, tell us about it, about that.
2: Um, Yeah. So several months ago, I was looking for like sobriety gifts, actually in anticipation of my one year, like maybe getting like a necklace. And I came across some Morse code jewelry that was like, like, I think, like you said, Daniel, like sober, badass, like all sorts of it. And so I had grabbed about seven of these for our um, our sober sister family. We have a really tight group of women on Instagram that we chat with daily. And I had bought them for Christmas, and then we opted to do a secret Santa. So I sent everyone one for their one year. So Lizeth got hers in the mail today, and I was like, "Well, I can slap mine on now too, since I'm at yeah. one year." So yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love it. It's so cute. It's like totally my It's um, just little. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally like my style. So I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) And did you do, did you do anything or are you going to do anything um, for yourselves? I know Carrie, you already alluded to that a little bit, but is there anything big in the works for tomorrow aside from just a Monday at the office or uh, uh, what's, what's going to be going on this week to celebrate?
2: Um, I don't know I'm hoping to get a massage at some point this week I did that for my six months so I'm thinking about trying to trying to do that and I have some um ice cream homemade ice cream cake that I made so I'm hoping to have some some of that tomorrow um but I that's that's it I don't I, I don't know. And I think that's part of it is I'm, I was, I'm excited. I've been, it's like all this anticipation of this day has been building. And I think that's where all the excitement was. And now that it's here, it's just kind of like, Oh, and that's, it's just like my another day for everyone else, you know, but it's really like a big deal.
0: It's a really a big deal. So. Yeah. What about, what about you, Lissette? Yeah.
1: Um, I'm working too. (laughs) Um, I wanted to, so I I messed up because what I should have done is I should have reached out to my tattoo artist way earlier because she gets really booked up. But the plan is to get a tattoo for my sobriety to commemorate the one year. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get her for tomorrow. So I'm gonna, so tomorrow I'm just gonna work and um, I'm going to order from my favorite restaurant. So I'm not cooking and I'm gonna get myself a little cake And I'm just going to do that. But then next week I, I'm going to take the day off from work and I'm going to go on a hike and I'm going to go get the tattoo um, and probably take myself out to lunch and, you know, just do that. But the tattoo is like the main thing that I'm excited about. I love that.
0: I'm so glad that you um, talk about taking yourself out and buying yourself, like, I'm going to get myself a cake and I, or I'm, I just have this picture of you sitting with yourself and enjoying that cake that it, that I uh, talked to me about that over the past year. What has that been like for you with caring for yourself and, and viewing your relationship with your, with yourself differently?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, like for so long, I always like waited for other people to do things. I had to have someone else if I was going to try to go on a hike or if I wanted to try something new, or if I, I wouldn't go to a restaurant by myself or anything like that. And then I, you know, I started realizing I'm like, I need to get comfortable with myself and I need to actually like myself. And maybe part of that is going to be doing things for myself instead of always waiting if somebody's going to magically come up. and then I won't come out and say, I want this. So people have to read my mind <laughs> and just figure <laughs> out that that's stupid. That makes no sense. So I'm like, yeah, this year I've just been like, my birthday was on March 3rd and I took the day off from work, which like, I never do. I've never taken the day off from work just because it's my birthday. Cause it's like, all right, it's just another day. Like who cares? But no, I took the day off and um, I went on a little hike and I ordered food for me and my son and I got a cake and I had him sing me happy birthday. And like, we had the best time just, you know, he and I, and like, we just it feels good to feel good in my own skin. It's a really good feeling because I haven't felt that way in years, many, many, many years. And that was part of the drinking. It was to numb the feelings and just pretend like I wasn't just so uncomfortable in my own skin. And now, you know, there's still some uncomfortable, uncomfortability of course, and I'm still in therapy and I still need to not drink. Right. So like the, the work doesn't stop, but it feels good to feel good within myself. It really does. And I, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm learning to, to take care of myself because I can't expect other people to do that. Um, if I can't do it for myself, that's stupid. I just figured that out this year, (laughs) this last year.
0: (laughs) What about you, Carrie?
2: Elizabeth, oh, I just, I'm so proud of you. Like you just, just, it's been so wonderful to be on this journey with you. Like just hearing you speak now and, you know, I don't remember your share specifically in the beginning, but it's just so clear how much growth you've done this year. It's just incredible. Um, Thank you, Carrie. Thank you're you. welcome. <laughs> I kind of forgot the question. Was it about loving ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's been the biggest thing for me during this whole thing, too, is very, very similar. Just always waiting for somebody else to make the plan or to celebrate me where, no, I need to celebrate myself. I have become extremely selfish this last year Um, I, as far as, you know, I say no to a lot of things that people have asked me to do Um, because I need to protect my sobriety. And I, the biggest thing that I learned how to do this year was love myself. I, I spoke to myself extremely negatively for a long, long time. And I've really learned how to speak a lot more kinder to myself. And I think that's been like the biggest, biggest gain in the last 12 months has just been the way the self-respect and self-confidence that I have now that i I haven't had since since maybe ever.
0: Well, I want to say this before I forget uh, that you're both you're both glowing. You both got a you both got the sober glow right now, and so like it's it's been so cool to see uh, both of you like to have progressed. Because Carrie, when we first met, it was a Brown a a year ago, and you were just doing the I think thousand hours dry right, and then it it transitioned into something different. Can you talk to us about each of you talk about the beginning um, of the story for you so that we can speak to those who are in that first, you know, thousand hours or so. Uh, and as they're listening and looking ahead to, to, you know, thinking about a year, like, and it may seem overwhelming, but like, what was it like for you at the beginning in that first, in that first um, uh, 42 days that you had?
2: So that's a great question without getting too backed up into my backstory. I had decided in, um, specifically on this date, April 3rd, to take a 30 day break after being sober curious for years and trying to learn how to moderate and failing. I just decided that, you know, April was a really good month to just take a break because I didn't really have any big things coming up that I would have felt that I needed to drink for needed to drink. So silly, but, um, So I had specifically picked that date, and then as I started to go on more of the alcohol-free reframe meetings and meet more people like yourselves, I discovered that this life might actually be. I felt inspired, you know, that maybe this life actually is better than going back to drinking at some point. And Dana, it was on your that podcast. It was three weeks into the day. And I think Aaron was like three months. Shannon was like three months, four months. And it just, they both inspired me. That was a day I said, you know what? I'm switching to the alcohol-free track. So it's just, even in those short few weeks, um, my sleep was better almost immediately, which I know is not the case for most people. My anxiety was, had, I think my anti-anxiety medicine finally had a chance to actually work. And my anxiety had most, was mostly at bay. Um, And I just was like, this feels really good. I wanna see how long I can do it. And even at the time, you know, forever felt like I I couldn't have said that in the beginning, like I'm never drinking again. Like that thought was so enormous now. But after a year, I'll just say that like, I, I still won't say that, right? Because I don't want to set myself up for failure or disappointment, but I can't think of any event That could possibly be made better by having a drink because I know it wouldn't be one drink for me. Like, I I know that. And part of me feels maybe this is part of my imposter syndrome. I don't know, but I mean, knock on wood, I haven't had a slip in a year. And this is the first time I really ever tried to quit drinking. Like, I didn't drink when I was pregnant, obviously, but I never really tried to even take a 30 day dry January. So maybe part of me feels like I do need to have that relapse to like, to, to better, to, to finalize my decision. And cause I haven't had that. I'm still like maybe anticipating that happening, but I really don't want it to, but it feels like without having that, have I really, have I really like gone to the other side of, you know, of this? So it's just, it feels a little bit weird, but.
0: Mm. I'm glad you yeah. said that. Yeah. Liseth would you respond to that and whatever else you want to say, but I think that's yeah. really fascinating that you said it and it makes sense to me.
1: It makes so much sense. And it's, it's exactly how I feel with like the slip or the relapse, right? Cause I'm, I'm also part of a 12 step program. And I remember a couple of months ago, my friend was supposed to have her um, two year celebration in AA and she relapsed and in AA, they call it relapse um, maybe like two weeks before the celebration. And I remember it Fucked with my head so much. I had to go to a meeting. Um, like I had to take a, I only get a half an hour lunch break. And I was like, I'm taking an hour lunch break and I'm going to an AA meeting because I really feel like I need it. And I remember speaking up and just saying, like, I almost feel like my brain is telling me to just go drink now so I could get my relapse out of the way. Yeah. Right. How fucked up is that? <laughs> like, what? No. And and then I remember this lady came up to me afterwards and she was like, relapsing is not part of the deal or part of the program. Yes. A lot of people go out. That's what they call it. Right. But that doesn't have to be your story. It definitely. And, and it that's just your ego and just how your brain plays tricks on you. But yeah, I feel like what Carrie saying. maybe that Carrie, I think you, you might've just nailed it for us right here with the imposter syndrome. Maybe we think that We're not really sober because we haven't had a slip yet, because this is also my first time ever trying to get sober. And I never, I never had even been sober curious. So for me, it was, I was drinking a lot, then my mom passed and that really, really made me really go on the deep end and then COVID, right? So that, that fucked it up for everybody, I think. But then I was diagnosed with gout which if you know anything about, it's like extremely rare in women, especially younger women. Like you really only see it in like heavily, heavily drinkers, like older men. That's (laughs) so the fact that I have that I have it, it's pretty insane. Um, But even then I didn't stop drinking, then I just started having all of these and I didn't, I didn't know about reframe at the time, but I decided that I was going to have all these rules so I was only going to drink clear liquor because that's what my doctor said so don't drink beer and don't drink wine, but you know have some vodka, So, (laughs) (laughs) which is so stupid. Um. And I fucking hate vodka, by the way. I hate liquor. I only liked beer, really, truly. But I was drinking the vodka. I was drinking those screwdrivers because I just wanted to get the high. And, um, and uh, you know, I was only going to drink on the weekends or, or I was only going to have two drinks if I went out. But then if I was out for more than like four hours, then I would allow myself a third drink. All of these... All of this booze math that never added up and and was so complicated. And then finally, on April 3rd, last year, I woke up one night of after one night of no sleep. I had only had two beers the night before because I hadn't had any beer for like four months or something. And I was like, fuck this. I'm an adult. If I want to have a beer, I can have a beer. And I had two beers and I didn't sleep, sleep that night because I woke up in the middle of the night with anxiety. My, the gout would affect my right foot and I didn't have a gout attack, but it started bothering me. And I woke up with anxiety feeling like in the middle of the night, like, oh shit, I fucked up. I shouldn't have had those two beers. Like now I'm going to have a gout attack and I'm not going to be able to walk for two weeks and I'm not going to be, you know, and then I had this trip coming up. I was taking my son who is autistic out to the Dominican Republic. And we've never, we had never traveled just the two of us like outside of the country. So I had a lot of anxiety about that. I was in court with my ex uh, for custody and I was having anxiety that I, while I was down there, I wasn't going to be able to stick to my rules, my drinking rules. And I was going to end up having a gout attack down there and not being able to get on the plane to get back. Um, And then my ex would have used that against me. Maybe I was gonna lose custody of my kid. I mean, all of this. And then I just was like, why am I drinking again? Like, what, <laughs> what am I getting out of it? I, I'm, I I, don't see that I'm getting anything. There's nothing that, that I'm getting out of this. And at that point, I had seen the Reframe app pop up for me a lot because I had been Googling a lot. Am I an alcoholic? <laughs> Do I have a drinking problem? And so on that day, I said, you know what, I'm going to download this app, but I never did the cutback track. I went straight to the alcohol free because I, I already knew I was like, I, in my brain, it's like all or nothing. And I don't think that cutting back is even an option for me. So I just went straight to AF and, and thank God. But yeah, I don't know, knock on wood, if I'll ever end up having a slip, hopefully not. But it does. It almost feels like so many people. That is part of so many people's story. That it almost feels like I don't know if I really can call myself sober until that has happened. That's so fucked up. But Carrie's <laughs> right. I think that's how I feel. Yeah.
0: No, it's a 100- hundred. Percent makes sense. I remember that was what pre pre uh, preceded my relapse. Was I? I'm an adult. I'm 41 years old, and I should be able to have a period. I was like, that's 100 percent who I was, and that and I undid 13 months of of not drinking with that thought, and it, like Carrie said, you know, um, I know now if I if I even have that one, it's not going to be just one. It it, it will absolutely cascade back into what it was before um and uh the this 13 months that I've got now is um so much different because I've got connections like with with these wonderful like dozens hundreds of literally hundreds of people that we've met on Instagram right like would you talk to me about that inner circle that you like maybe the concentric circles of your of your sober family uh, so to speak uh, wh- what's the role for been uh what have what role have other what roles have other people played in your sobriety over the past year?
2: Wow, so I can tell you this, Dana, I would not still be sober if it wasn't for the community. Um, and I have you to think because you started those rogue Instagram groups you know, a year or so ago, um, and how we all and how we all met. Um Uh, I was on several of them. And then the one that Lizeth and I are on now, it's been pretty active all along. I think I might've joined in June and it started, I think I wasn't in it originally, but I think it started as like a, a workout, um, accountability group for a group of women that were trying just to make sure that they were getting their workouts in. And it's just, it's just grown into really good friendships from there. And I, and I think part of the reason that like even if that thought entered my mind like well maybe I'll just have one it's like I would and I know this is this we you know I know that shame is like self-made but I would have felt so much shame having to go and tell them that I had had a slip I actually had a dream two nights ago that I was drinking a glass of wine and smoking a cigarette on the morning of my one year and then I had to go in and I was like going in to get like a chip which I don't even do AA and I felt like such a fraud and I think that's like just that's my imposter syndrome coming out in my dreams. Um, but I wouldn't be, I would not be alcohol free if I wasn't checking in with people every single day. Um, it's, it's an amazing community and I've like my entire Instagram, I never made like a sober account, but I, I just used my personal one, but I follow like a lot of the influencers and then a lot of the reframers. And so all I really ever see on Instagram now is just sober content. So, um, it's really quite it's really an amazing community out there and so supportive and so fortunate to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. What about you, Lisa?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, the group, the the Instagram groups. Uh, Dana, thank you for that cuz you just you started that and it just took off, but um like the one that we're on now, it was originally supposed to be for exercising. And then I remember one time um We did a little Zoom call, Carrie, Tanya, um, myself, and I think Jen maybe. (laughs) Maybe Elise, I don't remember. Yeah, and Elise. And I remember, you know, everybody sharing about like their exercise stuff. And then Ke- I think Carrie goes, What about you, Liseth? You never really talk about like And I'm like, because I don't do any exercising. Actually, I just love this group. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't care. Originally that was the thought process. And now I actually do. I go for walks every day. I do a two-mile walk and I'm I'm gonna follow in Carrie's footsteps and I'm gonna start jogging soon. So so it I got into that. But to be honest with you, the group is more about just support. Like we just love each other. Uh, Carrie, Nick and I met up in person in January. And that was so amazing. Like I had so much anxiety going into it because I have social anxiety and we had never met in person. So I was like, oh, my God, what you know, but it was so great. It was like just meeting up with old friends, honestly, because we are already friends from before. So it was literally just, you know, being able to hug her, you know, <laughs> like that was the only difference. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anybody else that I can talk to about this kind of stuff. Like I can't really talk to my family about it cause they don't get it. And I can't really talk about my best friend about it because she doesn't get it. Cause she doesn't have a, 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 a bad relationship with alcohol. So my reframe family and my AA family, like those are the people that I can go to. And if I didn't have that accountability and like, yeah, shame is self inflicted or whatever, but I would feel like such an ass (laughs) to come on and be like, yeah, I drank like, Oh my God. And I know that you all would love me and accept me, encourage me yes. to like, get back on the horse. Right. Cause that's what I would do for you, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So like, I, I need my sober family to keep me accountable a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, what were some other things that you've done throughout the year um, to set that uh, other than just the like 30, 60, 90, or, you know, the one eighty or whatever the other um, re- um, usual kind of like milestones would be, what are some other things that you did throughout the year to keep yourself accountable? Um, cause Carrie, I know you did, I mean, you're a big runner and so you did some like races and stuff, but were there other things, extracurricular things that helped you throughout the year that, um, that you would want to share with anyone?
2: Um, well, so actually the, actually, I always forget to share this, but the another reason why I picked this time of year was I somehow got like sucked into to volunteer coaching both of my kids soccer games last spring so I was going to be doing soccer coaching at 8 8 a.m and 9 30 every Saturday so I was like I can't I will be able to do that hungover so um I did that in the spring and in the fall so that kind of kept kept me from you know ever wanting to indulge on a Friday night and if I was going to indulge on a Friday night I was going to indulge all weekend so that was good and like you said yeah I joined um a race with some of the the phoenix group the sober active community so i've done a couple of things with them throughout the year and i try to stay connected to some of those people that i've met um but then just like i wouldn't even say like accountability things like but um i'm usually always reading if it's not a lit book it's like a self-improvement self-growth book um and i i just Really take care of myself now, like um, getting up early, going for walks, journaling, doing all that woo stuff that I probably would have rolled my eyes at a couple of years ago. So, um, not that that stuff keeps me accountable, but it's just forming those really, really good habits.
0: Perfect. Um, yeah. What about you, Lisa? Was there anything outside of uh, outside of those regular milestones?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Coming on to meetings was really important for me. Um, I did get to a point where like I had meeting fatigue because I was, you know, doing one AA and then like three reframes. I was like doing like four meetings a day. So, but I kind of needed that in the beginning. It was, it was just really what I needed. Um, I also do, I don't do journaling, but I do a gratitude list every night. Um, And so I just write three things that I'm grateful for in that day. And I also started adding one thing that I accomplished because I also do therapy. And in speaking with my therapist, we realized that I kind of derive my self-worth from being productive, which is something that I need to work on. But nonetheless, (laughs) for now, it's like just putting like one little thing that I accomplished. It could be that I did the dishes, like whatever, it doesn't matter. So just something to kind of, uh, remind myself that I am worth it or productive, whatever. Um, the Quit lit has also been really helpful, um, getting that exercise, getting that vitamin D, like just getting outside, um, nature is just so beautiful. The Northeast is a really beautiful place to live. I hate the snow, but (laughs) it is a really beautiful place to live in. And, um, being just out in nature is amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, meditation. I've, I've fallen off of it a little bit, but I, I really need to get back on it because I've never, Came out of a five minute meditation feeling like, oh my God, I hated this. I always feel so much better. And so why do I, why am I giving it so much pushback? I don't know, but it's something that I need to get back on. Cause that was really helpful um, in the beginning. And then, um, and like I said, I'm in AA too. So I'm doing step work. I'm on step four. Um, and another thing that has been really helpful for me is speaking to another person that's struggling. So when I'm struggling, it's good to just pick up the phone and call somebody and ask them how they're doing and just talk about their shit and their stuff. I, it just does something for me that it just takes me out of my little poor is me woo headspace, And I can just, and I feel good about being able to help somebody else. Um, being of service has really been very helpful to me. So yeah, I'd say those are kind of like the things that have kept me on the sober path.
0: Brilliant. Uh, um, There's so much gold in this episode. I'm so happy that we're able to do this. My last question for you both has to do with the theme of season four uh, of this little podcast is about owning our own stories. And I'm curious to hear from both of you, how have you, um, how have you, what is, what does that term kind of mean to you as you reflect back on the past year of not drinking? Like, how have you owned, how have you begun to own your story? Um, or, you know, did, like, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Just in, in my walk, it's been like, I'm trying to reconcile, um, you know, the, the Dana that I am now with the Dana that I've been and the Dana that I want to be. Um, but at uh, so many times I'm, it, you guys have both touched on shame, as part of, you know, uh, looking backwards, um, or, uh, even in the, even in the present, right. Uh, so talk to me about how, um, how you're owning your own story and how that's different now that you're not drinking.
2: So, um, Hmm. I'll say that when I reflect back and do things like this, or when I did the reframe speaker share and I reflected back on, that and telling my story in such detail. And I was like, wow, I had a really big drinking problem and no one told me, (laughs) you know, it's like I knew that I was having all this anxiety and bad sleep and stuff like that. But when I really think about some of the things that I did or said or happened or how I acted or how alcohol was like always the center of every activity that I would choose to engage in, um, I had like a really big problem with alcohol. And so I'm trying to be like a little bit more, um, like out with my sobriety, just because I feel like if someone like me was struggling and could see someone who seemed to have their act together and, you know, a family and all of the things that we want in life and they struggled and they're, you know, they're out about it. I feel like that's how I can kind of like pay back and maybe that's how i'm kind of owning my story and sure like a little bit of an example so we just had my daughter's birthday party today and all of her past birthday parties i've had booze at but i haven't just had like you know some beer in the cooler off to the side it's been like the center of the party has been like a mimosa bar and i probably put more forethought and more into building that mimosa bar for all the moms um and whoever you know, that was like the center, that was my focus going into the party. And like to this party was just, I was so then I started to feel like, well, are there gonna be people that are expecting this mimosa bar? Cause I've always had it. And then I was like, Well, then I'm literally just playing into the entire big alcohol game if I even have one. Cause then I was like, Well, what about the moms? I don't know. Will they be like annoyed or judgy that I I don't have booze at this party? And then I was like no, this is exactly what we're trying to fix right here, right? This is exactly the mentality that, like, you can't get through any child's event without drinking through it. And, like, that's the stigma that I'm, not the stigma, but that's, like, you know, the perception that we have, I mean, especially, I'm kind of rambling, but as a parent, it's like, I feel like we're just, alcohol's just in our face. Like, we, we shouldn't be able to, like, just get through the day with our kids an event for them without numbing ourselves out or having a drink. So, um, I guess I'm so I've just been kind of like feeling like I was doing all these things for my kids, but I was really just so focused on the alcohol part of it. And so I'm just trying to change that for other people. I think, I don't know if that makes sense
0: at all. Made sense to me. Uh, (laughs) absolutely. What about you, Lisa?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, part of owning my story, it has just really been leaning into who I really am. So for a really long time, I'm an introvert, and I'm shy. And I was using alcohol to pretend to be someone that I wasn't. And now I'm just leaning into the fact that like, I don't need to be going out and hanging out with people all the time. I'm okay with just being home, reading a book, hanging out with my kid and saying no to a lot of plans and a lot of invitations. Um, And that's okay, you know, Um, and not even not just about going out and, and that kind of stuff, but also with like codependency, which is something that I've been working on a lot. Um, just learning to say no to people and just put my needs first ahead of other people's needs because I am a people pleaser. So that's something that like I'm working on to do what I need to do that's right for me. Because at the end of the day, like Carrie said, that she's been really selfish this last year, but is it really being selfish when really all you're doing is taking care of yourself, you can't really be there for others. If you don't take care of yourself first, it's like, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Right. And I think we've been conditioned for so many years, especially as women that we just have to give, 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 we just have to be the moms and we just have to be perfect. And like, don't, there's no time for me, but like, that's BS there. I should make time for myself and I should set boundaries and stay true to what's good. And I'm not, and I'm not saying it like, this is easy for me. Like I'm actively working on this. It's, it's a work in progress. I still struggle with it, but I've gotten a lot better. And I I'm, I'm just so happy to, to have started this work because I think we do need to be a little bit selfish, um, just to make sure that we're okay. And then we can give that much more in return. So
0: that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Well, thank you both for giving to, to me and to so many other people. Um, this is, and, and through giving through this episode, like just being willing to take time on the eve of a a super big day, um, at the end of a, a weekend that you've both been busy doing things. Um, I'm just so grateful to know you both and to, um, to have watched you both, uh, I don't know, blossom over the past year and, and, uh, to see how it's changed you and Um, I'm just, I'm just honored to be a a sober brother of yours. And, uh, I'm glad that we have each other to hold each other accountable and to lift each other up. If we do have that relapse, or if we do, you know, what, if we are feeling down and we have that imposter syndrome attack, then we can reach out to each other and, um, I'm just uh, going to look forward to texting you both tomorrow and saying congratulations and uh, thank you again. Any final any final words of wisdom or any thoughts that there was something that you wanted to say that maybe you forgot to say or that you have on your heart or your mind right now?
1: I think if I could say one thing for anybody that's just sober curious or kind of considering what their relationship with alcohol is, is that there, I think someone has said, there's nothing that, drinking has ever made better and there's nothing that drinking didn't ever actually just end up making worse Mm -hmm. so like if you if the reason that you're drinking is because you're struggling mentally and so you're using that then then don't do it there's a better way to go about it and just give it a try just give it you'd be surprised and and even if you just try 30 days and see how you feel afterwards, I promise I can't imagine anybody wanting to go back to it.
0: Oh, so good. What about you, Carrie? Anything else? You don't have to have anything else, but
1: No,
2: it's actually something that I said when I did your podcast on my at my 21 days. And it was like, um, I'd rather regret giving up drinking then regret, not giving up drinking. And I, I said it then, and I, and I'll say it again, is like, no one regrets quitting drinking. Like it's, there's, there's nothing, you're, no one's life gets worse because they gave up alcohol. So yeah, for anyone that's new or struggling it, it's hard, it's hard, but it's, it's rewarding. And it's, it's like you think you're just giving up alcohol, but you're really just starting a journey of self-growth, is what I found, and um, it's a, it's amazing the changes that the all positive that you'll 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 get over the course of the next months and years to come.
0: Thank you both so much. This is so good. Oh, I'm I'm ah, so happy that we did this episode, and um yeah. Uh, I suppose this is where we wrap things up. Uh, So, Al, and so thanks for tuning into this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Until next time, Al and Spruce and Carrie and Seth and I send you all of our sober love and we say goodbye, alcohol, and hello, life. (laughs) Much love to y'all and peace.
2: Thank you, Dana. Thanks, Dana.